welcome to a new episode of the Startup Diaries brought to you by Bernie in a leading technology recruitment business in London and Manchester. In today's episode, we have Rory Sadler, CEO and co-founder of Trumpet. Trumpet is a platform which aids sales professionals by improving the customer's buying journey. Trumpet are also a national winner of Tech Nation's Rising Stars. In today's episode, Rory talks us through what it means by bringing a B2C mindset to a B2B product. He describes his approach to sales and those in particular regarding the early days of Trumpet. He tells us why the customer's voice has been at the heart of the business. And finally, how they've built a waiting list in the thousands and how they've created buzz around the product. We think it's a good one. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Rory. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Good. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and the story behind Trumpet? For sure. Um, so I've spent the last six years in, in B2B SaaS sales, um, lived and breathed, fortunately, the, the problem that Trumpet is solving today. Um, so started as a entry-level salesperson, worked my way up to leading teams, um, helped grow a company to Series A, and fortunately ended up at a company called Hotjar, uh, which is a market leader in the world of heat maps for websites. And in that entire time, I just realized how broken the buyer journey was. So buying software sucks, <laughs> right? Okay. basically. Yeah. And that's what I'd seen was the painstaking process a buyer had to go through. And um, then I started to get creative and think about Trumpet. And fortunately, yeah, that's where we are today. Yeah. Out of interest, where did the kind of idea of it come from? Was it just through pure frustration of, of seeing that, that market and you've kind of pieced it together between you and the co-founders? Is, is that... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was working on enterprise deals, SMB and things like that. And obviously with enterprise deals, there's a lot of money potentially on the table. So I'd invest more time into them. And that meant putting like Google Drive links together with all the resources, decks, proposals, demo recordings in, in one space, even Notion pages. And it just took forever. And I started to think, how can I do this quicker? But also I want to be able to do it for the small clients as well. Like everyone should have the same level of service, not just uh, prioritizing enterprise. Um, and that's kind of where the idea was was born. And fortunately I'd stayed in touch with Nick and Andrew, my co-founders from a previous startup. Um, and they were looking to go again after exiting Design My Night. So um, mm. we clashed heads and fast forward, here we are today. Perfect. Well, one of the things when we were putting this together is you said that you have the B2C mindset even though your product's b2b and you're selling to enterprise businesses can you tell us a bit about that approach uh, and how it worked sort of especially for, for sales in the early days for sure i think there's two sides of it the b2c is definitely around like the brand trumpet is all about standing out from the crowd making some noise and um, we're inspired by brands like gong and walnut who do a brilliant job of this as well mm. i think also the premise of trumpet is making it easy for your buyers to buy um and that's very common in b2c you know, and, and even D to C. If you think about it, we will go onto a certain website, we click buy and it arrives tomorrow, like seamlessly. <laughs> Buyers want that experience in B2B. Obviously it can't happen because you've got risk to calculate, you've got competitors to look at, you've got stakeholders to manage and every, all sorts of things. So it does take time. Um, but that sort of B2C element for us was how can we remove any friction in the journey, make it as seamless as possible, um, but also just make it an enjoyable experience. like. Sales, like buying software or services, it shouldn't feel like a transaction. It should feel like a collaboration, building relationship and both getting towards a, a shared goal. Um, so for us, it was on the very first call we would ever have with a client, we showed them the product. Um, we don't go heavy, heavy on discovery and treat it like interrogation. Um, we have a self-serve plan so people can go and try before they buy kind of thing. Um, we share our pricing very transparent. Um, we do intros proactively to existing customers. There's lots of things we do to basically show like, this is Trumpet. We're not hiding anything. We're not gating anything because people hate that these days. Everyone just wants to get their hands on it and get going. Yeah. 
I think one of the interesting things is as a group of founders, you've all been experienced in selling software as well as actually being the buyers of software. I mean, does that come into play when you start implementing sales strategies itself? Yeah, 100%. Being on both sides of the table mean that like we know all the tricks, we know all the approaches, but we also understand the pain points of buying software. Um, and I think we've built that into the product, but also we've never taken the assumption that we know everything and we're speaking on behalf of all of our um, customers and thousands of users. So um, giving a voice to our early adopters has been integral to also make sure what we think is right and how we're going about building this product actually makes sense and people want to um, use Trumpet in that way. So. So yeah, tying in early adopters into the product roadmap and feedback has also been important. So it's obviously rare when you have a product which doesn't have real competitors around it. So how do you approach pitching the product to businesses who may be embedded with competing products um, or you know, when you believe truly that your product's probably going to be better suited for them? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So there's a lot of, we call it like validation and inspiration in the markets. So there's lots of tools that do maybe one piece of what Trumpet does. Mm-hmm. But our pitch is very simple, and this is not meant to sound arrogant, but it's <laughs> it's a one-link buyer journey. So when yeah. we present that to people and, and say that, and they're like, yeah, I get that, it makes sense. It's yeah. not rocket science, it's not you know super detailed and mm. generative AI or anything like that, and I'm sure it will be one day, but um, in the meantime, it's there is a bit of education, and we're shifting companies' focus from sales enablement, giving salespeople the right tools to sell more better, um, mm-hmm. and obviously you know, coaching's part of that, to buyer enablement, which is all about, think about the buyer journey, map out the stages they go through, remove friction where you can, make it seamless, help to educate, um, and make them make sense of that journey. Because yeah. if we're really honest, people aren't taught how to buy software. Yeah, Like procurement, you might have a procurement team if you're lucky, a big organization. Most marketing managers or CROs or anything, they're kind of just put into the thick of it and they that's it. Um, so. So yeah, there is a, a slight education piece, but as we go up the funnel and speak to larger businesses, they do think strategically and forward thinking and they're looking to shift because let's face it, sales has shifted, the market has shifted, mm-hmm. buyers are spending less time with salespeople. Um, so it's actually more of like a, a sort of deeper conversation even beyond the product, um, yeah. which is all super interesting for us as well. Yeah, something, the phrase you use there, buyer enablement, I never really thought about that. You know, mm. I mean, recruitment, I sell you know, recruitment services. Yeah. I've never thought about how would I enable my client to want to buy my services. That's a really interesting phrase. I yeah. mean, how has that kind of been embedded into the product then? How have you kind of ensured that there is that aspect? Um, I guess a lot of like our, our marketing to support product, like product marketing is very important to us. Um, I think the ease of use in Trumpet is something we say, we try and um, tell our users is not just for their benefit. Like this experience you're having should also be replicated mm-hmm. for your pod our microsite recipients uh, as in their buyers um, and I think it's them starting to understand that that seamless journey is for them using this product but also for their buyers so mm-hmm. yeah it's all down to ease of use drag and drop uh, auto this and auto that yeah yeah well, great well look I'm definitely going to take that phrase home with me tonight actually and think about it <laughs> I think that's a really good powerful thought um, all right I would like to dive into a bit about the, the company and its values now so how do you ensure that the team that you're building care much as much about the business as, as you do yeah i think the the important thing we've communicated it, you know it's a founding team mm-hmm. so from from day one they've taken a bet on us we've taken a bet on them we're building trumpet together yeah. we're building the culture together there's no you know when we hired all of them some of them asked what's the culture like and i was like 
it's still being formed. You know, that's the, the kind of exciting bit as you get to, to build that with us. Um, I'm very big on mentality rather than like startup mentality, mindset fit rather than culture fit, especially in the early days. But all of that comes down to having values that you actually believe in, you communicate regularly and not just for the sake of it. I think a lot of early stage startups treat it as a tick box exercise, like let's put them on the wall and things like that. But we always communicate it in like monthly all hands, retros, big decisions. We always go back to our values. I think the, the kind of key ones for me are like um, trust and respect for one another. Um, mm. We really mean that like hire, we hire people that are smarter than us. Everyone knows a lot more <laughs> about their, their kind yeah. of trade than I do. Um, and when they make a decision, I'll back it mm. 100%. Um, I might have my thoughts, but I'll let them run with it. And, you know, we very autonomous. We don't micromanage. The other with the brand be brilliantly bold like we've got to make big bold bets we're kind of creating a category here where we're shaking up an entire industry which is b2b sales and, and flipping it on its head um and the other one that i'm very passionate about is obsessing over our users from day one like i still to this day take calls with customers all the time for feedback for complaints not that there's too many <laughs> um but like product suggestions um all sorts and in app they can suggest features as well they can see our roadmap they can upvote things so we're taking it sounds very cringe but like we're building trumpet with our users not mm -hmm. for them mm -hmm. um so we've got a great idea of what it's going to look like and there's some things that we'll always prioritize and surprise them with but at the yeah. same time the feedback we get from them there is no better feeling than having their voice listened to like we would love this integration mm -hmm. they suggest it they get notified when it's being built they get notified when it's being tested and then when it's live and they're like that's awesome like yeah. this product isn't just a continuous surprise it's like we feel part of that journey so yeah there's just a few yeah. how have you created that bringing that customer voice and making yourself accessible how have you created that with your customers automation's a great thing uh, so for example um, if someone maybe hasn't created a pod in a, a, a couple of weeks or they haven't logged in they'll get an automatic email uh, with my Calendly so they can just book in any time wow. okay. um, and then in app we use a tool called canny uh, canny.io uh, for the roadmap and for the feature requests so yeah Okay, excellent. And do you think that how, how big an impact in the early days was that on the product? And is it still shaping it today? It took a lot of the guesswork out in the early days and a lot of assumptions we had. Um, it also helped us build a community. I don't think community necessarily means you have to have like a Discord channel or a Slack channel. Mm -hmm. I think it's just building a kind of base of fans, essentially, who feel very close to the product, the brand, the business, and want to be part of its early growth. Mm -hmm. We're fortunate to work with you know companies like uh, Otter and uh, Payfit, who've been there from day one using Trumpet when it was buggy, it didn't do everything, but they could see the vision and they were like, I'm keen to get in now and help shape that with you. Yeah. So I think other companies seeing how involved we were with those kinds of companies was, was inspiring. And to this day, nothing's changed. So everyone can still book calls with me. They can still suggest product feedback. They can still see our roadmap. Um, they can still get a t-shirt in the post when they've hit a certain number of points, all this kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff. like. Yeah, um, we continue to think about our users, prioritize what they want, what they need to make their use of Trumpet more of like a delight rather than a task. Like we don't want it to become a platform where mm -hmm. oh, I've got to go and do that in Trumpet today. It should be, I want to get onto Trumpet today and like go close a deal or get, you know, create a pod for a customer. That that um, enjoyment is important for us. Yeah. So one of the cool things I think is that you've got a waiting list of around 4,000 people or businesses wanting the product. How have you managed to build that and get that level of traction for the product, ultimately without spending a lot of money on marketing? Yeah, I think the only thing we've invested in is Trumpet t-shirts, which have gone down really well. They're great quality. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants the supply, let me know. But um, I think, yeah, from, from day one, we 
we just created a buzz. Um, so we had a landing page. It was that created like intrigue. It didn't say everything it did, and people were kind of getting excited. Also, fortunately, my co-founders are exited co-founders, which played into it. You know, everyone wanted to see that. Everyone wanted to see what they were kind of building again. We um, we had a referral scheme, so about eighteen percent of the four thousand came from existing waitlisters referring right. other people, which is super strong. Um, we created a list of three over 300 sales tools just to like share with the community of like this is what we think is you know the best crms the best outreach tools and lead lists and things like that and that sort of went viral but lived on our website so people were seeing that list and then like oh what does trumpet do mm -hmm. um we were in touch with lots of um kind of thought leaders in the sales space connecting with them um and as you can imagine sales people live on linkedin so we were just posting value add content on there every day and we continue to it's a big part of our kind of content strategy we believe in like educating um the world of sales and cs on, on what we see as best practice so whilst we were building we were just basically adding value into the space um and yeah fortunately the the waitlist helped accelerate our growth and we've come out of beta now so everyone's got access loving the platform and um and giving us awesome feedback. Yeah, well, one of the things, and I've said this to you before, we do share your content internally, or one of my colleagues does. So when you put out a post about, you know, don't give up on selling on a Monday or a Friday, just because you don't think it's not true, like go sell on a Monday and a Friday. 100%. <laughs> that, that gets that gets sent around the Burnsheet and uh, email list, so everyone has a, has a, a read I'm through it. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I must admit, I'd like to dive into that kind of list of top sales, you know, uh, items out there and how to become a thought leader like what would what was the idea behind that like get, did you think that it would go viral did you think that the market would just be so on top of wanting to see what your thoughts were from from being I guess a brand that they're just finding out about yeah I think you know as a brand that hasn't got many followers or anything like mm -hmm. that you you can't expect people to come organically to you you've mm -hmm. got to add value into the space first and, mm -hmm. and that's got to be for free um I'd noticed that you know small posts on linkedin and things like that and in myself i love to see lists of like the latest text there's so many awesome tools out there it's very hard to discover them um so it wasn't like a, a groundbreaking idea but i think the actual inspiration for creating a what we call like an ancillary tool came from hubspot mm -hmm. so in their early days they had like a, an seo tool um, and it went viral got lots of inbound for them so it was it was more of that seeing inspiration from people who've been there and done it and um having a stab at it mm -hmm. um but uh yeah, I think also on my side, I'm like a bit of a sales nerd. I, I've, you know, throughout my entire sales career, I loved seeing the latest tools, taking them for a spin, um, and anything that could help me um, sell more quicker, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a good understanding of the, the sales tech space and wanted to curate that for people who might not have seen some of these brilliant t uh, tools. And lots of them were early stage as well. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just the big guy, Salesforce. And, um, and, and Gong and others. It was up and coming ones that I, I'd sort of seen and thought other, well, useful for others to discover as well. Yeah. If it's all right, that before we answer the, ask the next few questions, one of the things that where Bernstein connected with, with Trumpet was via Tech Nation's Rising Stars. Mm. It's probably quite a hard to get an ROI off the back of it, but how useful do you think being a part of and winning, sorry, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> should have started with that. Should have started you were a winner, not just a contestant, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, an entry. You, you won Rising Stars uh, nationally. How, what bit of an effect do you think that had on, on where Trump is today? It was a, an incredible program to, to go through. And I think, you know, just very quick note aside, like what's happened to Tech Nation is a massive shame because I think the, the impact they've had on the tech scene in the UK, um, it, you know, speaks for itself. Um, I think it's going to be very hard to replicate that. And mm -hmm. 
I have my thoughts on the government should have been doing a bit more to kind of keep them going, but it, it is what it is. But um, we feel very special to have won is, mm. is awesome, but to have been part of the program. Mm. Um, I think the benefits for us have been exposure to investors, to customers, we've had inbound from it as well, right. which yeah. has been great. To connect with the other startups on the program as well um, mm. and share learnings of those early stages of building because that's what the rising stars is about. You mm. are early stage, you're you know, just kicking off. Um, and then to be connected to partners like yourself and, mm. and um, others like uh, Dubai um, has, has been really helpful for us. So, mm. um, so yeah, it's, it's great exposure. Um, and it's just a shame that more startups aren't going to be able to experience it. Yeah, well, I believe we're probably one of those 4,000 on that waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it certainly got us bought in, I believe, from uh, from those early earlier days in the uh, earlier rounds of city winning, etc. But, um, yeah, I think the, what would be great would be to find out what you think the future of Trumpet is going to look like and how you see the product developing. For sure. Um, I'm incredibly passionate about unlocking insights into what I call the async buyer journey. Mm. So you're able to forecast in sales based on activity. So you've got your sales calls, your emails, your meetings. But what about in between those things? Because asynchronous buying is happening. If you're able to facilitate a digital journey, the you know your champion can take this microsite, which is what Trumpet offers, and share it with their team, and then they can actually interact with it. That's the key bit about it to us. It isn't just about putting content into a space, it's creating a digital workspace um, that can help accelerate deals. So if a buyer can comment, click, drag, and do things, that's buyer, like, uh, buyer behavior and its interactions, which we can then turn into insights that help you forecast better. Mm-hmm. So that's a real uh, sort of passion project of mine, um, but also our big focus is making the pods an experience for a buyer. Like when you get sent a pod, you should be like, wow, what is this? My team should be using it. Or like the main focus should be, these guys have gone above and beyond to win our business. Mm-hmm. Above the competition, um, they've really kind of listened to what we've said and, and put it into an easy to digest space. Um, we have exciting plans for the US and, and you know crossing the pond, hopefully towards the end of this year, but we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot to build, but fortunately we've got an incredible team to make that happen and they just continue to inspire me every day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they work harder than me and <laughs> make me feel guilty. But yeah, they they should be especially proud of the product they've built because it's just it's helping businesses grow, and that's the best thing. Is um, especially in this market, it's tough out there. So mm-hmm. us hearing that companies are able to grow, um, mm-hmm. sell more quicker, and onboard clients faster, that's mm-hmm. that's quite special. Yeah, because I guess it's weird in the UK. It's like sales is like a dirty word in a way. Mm-hmm. So having a platform that brings more to it and enables people to sell more yeah, yeah like that's yeah, this was like in the US it's like a pride of place being a salesperson but, but over here it's just like a weird yeah the Brits don't like being sold to but yeah <laughs> something like that I don't know it needs to change yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, a negative connotation with sales when there shouldn't be but I think it's part of that is down to you know, people being taught to put buyers through your sales process. You need to invite them onto your discovery call and you need to ask them all these lists of questions and things like that when really it should just be a conversation and remembering that, you know, they've joined that call knowing what you do. Mm -hmm. You don't need to feature dump them and tell them what you do. They know it's like, is there a fit having that kind of getting to a yes or a no? Um, So yeah, I think we'll see a shift and um, obviously the US are very good at at sales and they live and breathe it. Um, But yeah, I think the the name around sales in the UK could do the freshen up. Yeah, well, hopefully Trumpet could be a part of saving that name. <laughs> um, I'd love to dive into our last two questions that we always ask, but what's been the biggest challenge in your career to date? In terms of joining, like starting 
could be about any part of your career. If it's just starting, if it's starting the business, if there's a particular moment where you're like plumbing yeah, <laughs> or it could have been earlier in your career selling, was a we're quite open. Yeah, I think there's two two things I share. So like first ever going into sales, it's the whole like ten no's before you get a yes. Yeah. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of rejection, lots of objections, lots of oh this deal's going to close and then it doesn't last minute. Mm-hmm. You know things going wrong, but it. Yeah, it kind of creates this thick skin, you know, builds resilience, and that actually prepared me for today. So it was very tough in the early days, you know, all the cold calls and everything yeah. like that. Um, but super grateful to have gone through that journey. And I think in terms of building Trumpet, that shift from being an employee to an employer, and you know, feeling responsible for the team, but it's then twenty four seven. You know, you'll appreciate this. Um, you just never switch off, and that's why you've got to really love what you do and yeah. be passionate about the space you're in, the product you're building, um, because yeah, you can. You can never switch off. Yeah, certainly agree with that. Um, and finally, then, if you're giving advice to someone who's starting their own business tomorrow, what would be that one bit of advice that you think would be key for them to learn? Two things: it's okay to say no. So, like, your time is super precious, and you know, saying yes to everything will actually cause you more harm. Um, and leverage your network. Um, mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how many people, you know, friends, family would be willing to help and asking for introductions, asking for help because you can't do it all alone. Um, yeah, it's, I was taught it, when I studied entrepreneurship at university, the, the teacher told me this principle called uh, the bird in hand principle. So, it, and, that, and that's what it goes down to. It's like knowing who's around you, how they can help and just asking for it. Um, people love to help and show off what they can do in their expertise. Yeah. So lean on it as much as possible because you're going to need it. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's a rough ride in the early days. There's, you know, lots of things to overcome and, you know, whether it's it's payroll, whether it's marketing, yeah. it's Google Analytics, and there's a million things that you just have to learn. So, um, yeah. Well, one thing I'd actually like to ask, because I think some of my team, uh, we, we, we're big on building a network in, in the recruitment world. I think sometimes they feel like they haven't earned the right to ask. Would there be any advice around that? This is from hopefully my team who's listening. Like, when do you, how do you know you've earned the right to be able to ask for that favor? It goes, I think it's very similar to in sales, like asking for referrals as well. Um, I think it's having just confidence and explaining why you're doing it. Mm. So rather than just asking and hoping for a yes or a no, it's mm. just being super candid. Um, there's a lot of trust in transparency. Again, goes back to our values. And um, I think when people see the human side to that kind of um, uh, question, they're happy to help. Mm-hmm. Um, not easy. Yeah. You won't always get a yes, but if you don't ask, you don't get. So um, yeah, I think you just got to put yourself out there and, and have confidence and um, don't be scared of them now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, perfect. Although that's a great spot to wrap it up. But thanks for joining us, Roy. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, really did. Thank you. <laughs>